Audio Mission. Audio Mission. A CMS podcast. A CMS podcast. Hello and welcome to this Audio Mission podcast from CMS, Church Mission Society. I'm Mike Stranks. Sometimes God has different plans for our lives than we do, even when we're planning to give some of our time to working for him. Take Andy Roberts, for instance, a CMS mission partner working with his wife Rosé in Olinda in the northeast of Brazil. At the age of 14, Andy sensed God speaking to him about working with street children in South America. Thinking this was a short-term thing, Andy arranged to go to Brazil for part of his gap year before university. But when he got to Brazil, Andy sensed God's call again, not just to short-term service, but to an ongoing life commitment. That was eight years ago, and Andy's been a full-time CMS mission partner in Brazil for just over three years. When I met Andy recently, I asked him what he and Rosé have been doing. Coming to the end of our time in My Father's House. Uh, My Father's House is a street children's project working in the northeast of Brazil. Uh, Works with boys between the ages of 7 and 17 who have got into trouble, uh, either through gangs or or through abusive uh, families. And My Father's House works with them by taking them out of that abusive situation into a safe environment where they live in the house, where they have the opportunity to catch up on their lost education, and where the project tries to work with their own families to try and bring the family back together. Now in the UK, when we talk about a gang of boys, we often mean a group of lads just up to a bit of mischief. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Uh, not really, no. The way I, when I talk about gang, I'm talking about groups of boys and girls who are very much involved in drug dealing. Uh, they tend to be armed, either with guns or, or knives or, or that kind of thing. At that age? At this age. Uh, we know boys as young as 11 or 12 who walk around with guns. And they spend all their time on the streets selling drugs or stealing, protecting their patch against other rival gangs. How do they get into this in the first place then? Um, well, you have to remember that m- the majority of them are from very, very poor families living on shanty towns. You're classed as, as no one, really. You're poor, you're no one, you've got no place in society. You've said you take them out of that environment, but what do you do with them once you've taken them away from that environment? We find that many of them are very, very far behind in their education. And so the main thing uh, to do is get them back on track. And then there's a the whole process of, of transformation, trying to make them realise that the path that they were on won't lead anywhere unless well, it will lead to either being in prison or, or being killed. And so to get them to transform their, their outlook of life, to really want to study, to want to make them best themselves, to, to work, to provide for their families. So education is the main thing. And then obviously there's other skills such as uh, carpentry or, or any kind of thing that they can use um, uh, to gain some money after they leave my father's house. And also my father's house works with their families as well to try and, and try and help the family as well. Because you find that you can take a boy out of, the, out of their situation, change the boy quite easily, but the family remains in that same situation. So the boy, after a few years, if he returns to that family in that same situation, all your good work will be lost very quickly because he will just slip back in to that old way of life. You've talked about giving them skills for the future. Do you help them be kids again? 
Definitely, that's uh, that's one of the best things about the project. You'll have, you know, boys as old as 15 or 16, but they will love to still play with toy soldiers or marbles or, or these kind of things. And you have obviously the younger kids, you know, nine or 10 years old who who just want to uh, be swung around and be thrown in a pool or swim in the sea, play football. Do you have any instant stories that spring to your mind of kids that you've been able to help and transform? Uh, yes. How many do you want? Um, one of them is uh, a, a little boy called Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel uh, first came to our project when he was four years old and we found him uh, thrown away literally on the rubbish dump and when we found him he had bite marks all over him, cigarette marks where people had stubbed out cigarettes and uh, we found him and we found his mother and we took him to his mother to see what we could do and when we, when we got there she took Gabrielle from us and threw him against the wall of her, of her, um, of her house, she has mental problems, she threw him against the wall of her house saying he's my son so I can do whatever I want with him and it turned out that it was actually his mum who had been biting him and physically abusing him. And so obviously we took Gabrielle away uh, from his mum, away from that abusive uh, relationship. And Gabrielle arrived when he was four years old. When he arrived, he was like a wild boy. He didn't know how to eat, didn't know how to talk. And you couldn't go anywhere near him because if you approached Gabrielle, he would recoil because he associated humans with pain. That's the only thing he'd known uh, for his very short life. Um, but a great change happened in Gabriel. He very quickly came into contact with loving workers and also with a God who loves him. Uh, he's now 10 years old. He's been in the project for six years and he's completely changed. And Gabriel's now one of the most happiest and playful and mischievous little boys uh, that I've ever seen. And that's great. That's what you should be like when you're 10. Those sort of stories must be the ones that really make you think, yes! <laughs> Definitely, definitely. And it's um, unfortunately for, for each good story we have, successful story, unfortunately there's two or three unsuccessful stories, uh, some of them ending in prison or even death. And so it, it does spur you on when you have those successful ones. You can see how God is working, but it also puts it into focus that there are still so many children who are in great need of, of help. How central is the Christian element to all this work that you're doing? In other words, what, what makes it distinctive from any other worthy social cause? It has to be at the centre. And it's funny what a difference that makes in, in the project. Obviously, My Father's House is not the only project working in, in, in Orlinda. There's lots of other government-run secular projects. But My Father's House is seen by all as, as, as the example of, of how to work. We've had boys who have been through various government-run projects and have had no success. But when they come to my father's house, something happens and then there's a peace that comes on them and they change. There was a boy who has mental issues. He'd passed through various projects, very violent guy. He's only 12 or 11. And for some reason, uh, when he came to us, uh, there was a great change. Again, completely calm. Um, and when we took him home for the first time in many years, uh, his family couldn't believe that he had changed so much. And they actually told us it, it's, it must be a miracle. And we were inclined to agree with them. We couldn't say anything else. It's no other, other, other formula, nothing that we do, but we are sure that it's because that he comes into contact with the Lord. And the way that the 
workers work with the kids in a loving way and in a Christ-centered way, we are sure that, that any change which happens in the boys through my father's house has nothing to do with us or the way that we do things. It's only by, by, by the Lord. You said earlier that your work in my father's house was coming to an end. Does that mean you're going into a new form of Christian work? Uh, yes. Uh, my father's house obviously just works with boys, but they are a great need uh, for girls. Uh, when a girl is on the street, she finds herself in a much more vulnerable situation than the boy does. When a boy is on the street, he will kill or steal to survive. Uh, but for a girl, she can't do that. And so she ends up selling herself uh, to survive. And so you will find girls as young as 11 or 12 uh, selling themselves as prostitutes on the streets. It rocks us to the core, it should rock everybody to the core, that can't happen in a world like ours. And so uh, after a lot of prayer and thoughts and conversations with much wiser people than we are, uh, we decided that um, it, the time was right to step back from our work at my father's house and to pursue this long-held dream to start to work with these very vulnerable and needy girls. And will that be starting from scratch? Yes, yes it will be. So it's a lot of work to be done, um, but we believe that this is the way the Lord is guiding. And if it is his will, he will provide. And so we are just going to go for it, trusting in him, and, uh, and we will see what happens. Big changes ahead for Andy and Rosé Roberts when they return to Brazil later this year. Not only will they be working on opening a refuge and support centre for vulnerable girls, but they'll also be experiencing the delights of parenthood for the first time. If you'd like to know more about Andy and Rosé and the ways that you can support them, or maybe get involved in something similar yourself, then do get in touch with us. I'm Mike Stranks, and this has been a CMS Audio Mission podcast. Audio Mission, a CMS podcast.